Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media. We're at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. We're the Longhorn Republic on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's sending Mike Roach TV recommendations via Twitter DMs. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, yeah, the the Thursday show got, got me stimulated, titillated. You know, it, uh, I don't get to have a second podcast, Gerald, like you. I don't get to have... Uh, a venue, so hence why I, 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 I absolutely just latched on to the Godzilla Tron segment. Uh, and yeah, I will take that offline. And uh, you know, occasionally you might just find me in, sliding in the DMs only with TV uh, and, and potentially movie recommendations and nothing else. But uh, you know, Mike, yeah, happy to slide in them DMs. Now that you can slide in his DMs, it's another conversation. We had a big weekend <laughs> this weekend. Baseball continued to roll. We had a uh, first spring scrimmage on the football field, so we'll talk about that. Steve Sarkeesian broke it down. Uh, big weekend for basically everybody on the 40 acres, so got a big down the 40 for you this week. Burn Orange Lenses has some updates as well. Obviously, we'll close the show out with some Godzillatron and bang the drum. Kyle and I have anxiety every time Kansas State comes to town. <laughs> every time there's a team that has wildcat mascot and purple in their color scheme kyle and i break out in cold sweats but our fears were unfounded this week as the texas baseball team swept busted out the brooms swept swifford got the stick vacuum and vacuum whatever whatever your home cleanliness tool is it was used against the Wildcats over the weekend, a combined score of 37 to nine over three game sweep of the Wildcats. Second consecutive weekend series sweep for the baseball team after sweeping the Kansas Jayhawks last week to go six and zero against the Sunflower State over the last two weeks. It was a big weekend for the bats for the Longhorns, which is something we haven't been able to say at least consistently over the three day series. Yeah, I mean, this is this is truly one of UT's best offensive series three uh, three game weekend series in in Big Twelve history. Um, they they have um, rarely in school history scored more than thirty seven runs in three games and and had a, a winning margin wider. Um, so just just really, I think ninety nine against Missouri uh, was like the, the the last time that they had a winning uh, Big Twelve three game winning uh, margin like that. So really really. In, in, good stuff right and, and and it was an interesting series because i think we all had it dialed in uh kansas state offense has looked good all year um and they have one pitcher who has been touted in the top 20 kind of right there with ty madden in uh, mlb draft mock-ups and in, in jordan wick so there's the two probably probably the two best Friday starters in the conference going head to head. Now you knew that if Texas could get through the first one, that they would have probably a pitching advantage every other game in the series. But I don't know that anyone knew a, how that first game would go and what wild turns would lie within or, or be uh, just, you know, how alive the bats would be. It seems like there was something with, with the kind of month of, of April coming and, and, and the midweek loss to, to the Aggies uh, on the 31st of, of, of March, something snapped and they have just been locked in and alive. And we'll see if it's, if it's, you know, taking advantage of the state of Kansas or, or if there was something that, that, that pierces, you know, uh, hellfire and brimstone, Augie Garrido uh, type of messaging after that game came in or the players just decided, Nope, that ain't who we are. We're going to be better than that. But it, it's been unbelievable. Um, basically since then um and, and just to go through this one real quick gerald i mean I, out of three interesting games that each had a different narrative did you have a favorite of the three i think for me the three was probably tristan stevens being just brutally efficient like the brutal efficiency of that saturday outing dude was just not like having any of it like i don't i don't care 
that that you guys have bats. You could have left them at home on Saturday. Is how Tristan felt. I mean, no walks, only three counts went to two balls during the entire <laughs> seven innings that That's he silly. pitched. 68 pitches in seven innings, Kyle. Uh, if you're keeping score at home, that's fewer 10 pitches per inning. That's nuts. Absolutely nuts. That it's I, I described it as Terminator-like efficiency. That that was that was something, right? It's we fair. talk we talk about Friday night ties, um, but you know Tristan Stevens is slowly slowly slid in as a, uh, one of the best. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and make claims, but could be in the conversation for the best Saturday starter in the Big 12 right now, the way he's throwing, uh, being hyper-efficient like that, if he can carry that on. Um, just, I think he's had like four of his outings this year where he hasn't thrown a walk. The dude just throws strikes, and it's a good idea right now because Texas is playing good defense, and hey, if you're going to give someone 15 runs, you know, uh, they don't have to worry too, too much. Uh, just just throw heaters over the plate, put the ball in play, and uh, he's, he's doing it incredibly well. Obviously, the Friday game got a lot of the headlines. In the second inning, there was... A kerfluffle? Is that what we're going to call it? There was 20-something-year-old sure. kids with a lot of emotion doing exactly what you would expect and probably want them to do, uh, right? I mean, D- Gerald, how would you classify the, the, the dust-up at the at the dish? Insignificant probably would be the best <laughs> Like, if you followed me for a long enough time, you know that I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we hold amateur, air quotes, athletes to a... Uh, higher standard of professionalism than we do with the professionals because I am a firm believer that in the MLB these would not have been ejections uh, but the players probably got tossed quickly now granted you want to keep a lid on things but like let's just say it like this you and I probably started some dust-ups in our <laughs> 1920s over less significant things sure. and took it a little farther sure. uh, and so like there's it, it just seemed like it was a quick trigger and I get it like but I feel there. I am big on like the umps or the officials not really making themselves stars, and that one felt like it was just a little bit of a judicial overreach by the uh, by the official there. I agree completely. There's the English Premier League ref named Mike Dean, who everyone jokes is uh, whenever game he refs, he wants to be the most famous hi- instant replay and highlight uh, star of each game, and it, and it felt like the 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 home plate ump was was interested in that. Basically, what happened is is UT, you know, uh, Antico had a uh, had a a triple that for some reason Pierce on third tried to stretch into a uh into an inside the parker which not a great call he was out by a mile um and Antico kind of you know again the fastest player in the big 12 so I get it um but as he came to slow his his speed down coming around as he knew he got got he kind of half went down and gave himself up but half also kind of put his shoulder uh in towards the catcher don't think there was anything too much there obviously he wasn't ejected for it um but the catcher then kind of you know, uh, launched a bit, not, you know, I'm pro catcher, uh, but, but into Antico on the tag and, uh, Cam Williams, a big, big, bad man who, uh, didn't particularly care for that standing there, having just been driven in, uh, stood up for his player who it felt like not only was, was there some contact, but then the, the, the Kansas state catcher stood over and stared down at him. Um, Williams did exactly what he should have done to protect his teammate, which was, you know, just, you know, get, uh, in the catcher's face, kind of no pushes, no shoves, no punch, but just, you know, slide him back, brush him back off his player. Um, I don't know what the other players did who were suspended other than come in and point a little and shout and talk to him. It was not uh, like, it was not a true ruckus, you know? Um, but n- nonetheless, when the dust settled, uh, one starter from Kansas state and two other players, uh, in addition to all of the, uh, the infield minus, uh, Zach Zubia, uh, were, were suspended, uh, rejected from that game suspended for the Saturday game. Again, remember that one went 15 to one. So it, it was fine for the orange, but, uh, th- this one got interesting after that, right? It was, uh, touted to be a pitcher's duel. And so you think, look, if it's Wicks, Pierce is just thinking, get your hits, get your runs when you can, because the guy doesn't give up a lot of consistent hits. Tough lefty, so you know Madden actually started off with one of his worst starts of the year. He settled down in the, the next kind of four and a half innings after that. But um, I, I kind of get where Pierce was going, but uh, it led to some wildness. Um, again, losing losing Faltini is tough because you lose his fielding as well. But uh, it ultimately went down to to the eighth inning after that, the horns trailed. And then it felt like the whole team kind of said, nah, 
we're not losing this one after that BS. And they, they reeled off eight emotional runs in that inning. Um, Zach Zuby had the world's most emotional walk in that one. It was amazing. Um, and uh, the team just, it felt like one of those good team moments, a rallying moment. We've had a couple of those we've talked about on this podcast and recapping games, but it felt good. Um, they obviously carried it through, winning that one 13-6, to 15-1 Saturday, and then 9-2 to uh, on Sunday. And, and I don't want to skip this series, Gerald, without talking about a guy who, in each of those three games we just mentioned, put the ball out of the park. Um, any superlatives for the Hispanic Titanic? Other than Big 12 Player of the Week, I really can't <laughs> come up with anything other... Uh, like, Hispanic Titanic is just perfect, right? It, uh, it is. I mean, throwing it down for the 915, like... Keep it up, like they just keep bringing in the awards. Uh, it, 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 so he, I mean, it, we're going to talk a little bit more about him in just a moment, but he has just been unreal. And 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 I'm sure you're all very well if you're listening to this podcast. But if you're not, he has hit home runs in six consecutive games, uh, setting the school record. At that point, he's hit seven home runs in the past six because he did two uh, in in one of the games against Kansas State. Um, he he is not just dinking balls over the fence. In that time, he's put balls over over the monster, which again has been raised eight feet. He's the first player to do that since they've raised it uh, over the scoreboard, over the opposing bus, uh, in, in kind of left center uh, balls you don't see go that high, that far, that long. He is just crushing the ball at a rate that I, I honestly I don't know. Kyle Russell comes to mind. Like I, I don't know. What UT? I mean, I guess Clemens when he was locked in and the game was on the line a couple years ago. But just with this power, you know, that he's hitting balls out of the park is it's it's unbelievable, and you love to see it. But uh, as Gerald alluded to, he was the Big Twelve Player of the Week in that sweep, as well as the midweek games, just crushing the ball. But Gerald, that Kansas State and Kansas uh, were not the only sweeps. Uh, UT went ahead and just swept all the Big Twelve awards. Yeah, so we already already mentioned the Titanic bringing home Player of the Week. Tristan Stevens got Pitcher of the Week. Why I singled him out, uh, and Mike Antico, who uh, had a little bit of like an early touch and go, has really come on as of late, uh, especially the last two series, and, and earned his Newcomer of the Week honors. Texas now twenty two and four since the start of March and has not lost a game thus far in April. Gerald, I, I have some trivia. Just I had to ask these because it's 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 unreal. These numbers, Gerald. We said they scored a lot uh, in this one. They've scored a lot recently. Um, do you know how many runs Texas has outscored its opponents by in the month of April? Forty. They have scored eighty-three runs. They have allowed 18 across eight games. That's 65 runs. I thought I I thought I went like overstating it for the sake of comedy, but somehow I was <laughs> I was 20 by Price's Right rules. I still won. <laughs> there you go. That's fair. Uh, 65 runs is is an ungodly amount of runs to That's to nuts. win seven games by. But it, it it got me to thinking again. This was all immediately after uh, what I called the the midweek. BCS National Championship. That is because it was in Bryan College Station considered a national championship when the Aggies beat the Horns. Do you know how many of their seven games since that giant season-defining win for the Texas A&M Aggies who currently sit in dead last, uh, untied, sole possession of dead last in the SEC? How many of their last seven games have the Aggies won since that matchup, Gerald? One. That is correct. They are one and seven, while UT is eight and zero oh coming out of that. That was a little bonus trivia for you. Just, just uh, you liked it. You, you love it. You love to see it. Really. Again, I call it a BCS national championship because Brian College Station will be able to hang a banner for winning a midweek game over UT. Now, Gerald, they've already published the two the two nothing cups. They've already put those in the, <laughs> in the stadium concession stands. <sighs> It'll never get old. Like it, laughing at Aggies who are specifically just being Aggies, doing exactly what they are born and bred, and bred to do, uh, is is it will never get old. They are they are forever entertaining and and never change, guys. We 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 love that you are what you are. Uh, let's take a look, Gerald, real quick though, because I'm going to call this, and I'm not going to spend too long, but I do want to give a little bit of shine. Um, in my Kyle's quick midseason review, and you may say, "Wait, it's not midseason. We're at sixty percent of the season." Well, you folks, 
you folks are are non-believers because the midpoint of the season, I'm including a deep Omaha run here. So yeah, we may be at 60%. Yeah, I may have forgot a week ago, but I'm giving it to you where I think the true midpoint of the season is before David Pierce takes this team uh, currently sitting at number three deep into Omaha. So let's look at the pitching because that's where I think this team goes deep. You, curr- you uh, currently have the seventh best ERA in the country, fourth best uh, among the Power 5 teams. Again, they are just one spot and a few points behind Vandy's vaunted arms, who I think at least a whole uh, internet's worth of, of, of think pieces were written about how good their, uh, their starting pitchers were this year. And uh, yeah, UT sits right there next to them. Um, they have the 11th best whip. Uh, again, that's walks, hits over innings pitched, um, as as well as again in the Power Five, the sixth best. So so basically, in the big teams, they are fourth best in ERA, fifth best in WHIP, which are which are pretty easy ways, just high level uh, scopes. You can go deeper, but in looking at uh, how good your arms are. Um, Ty Madden has come slightly back to earth from his just unbelievable. Um, streaks i mean but i still think he he, he currently leads the the big 12 and whip uh, one of the better eras is winning games is doing uh a lot i think you know i think he's battling himself a little bit right now but he still has friday stuff as good as any in the country but what we've seen and we mentioned is stevens sliding into that saturday slot is one of the best in the big 12 uh at least and then you know looking at the 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 sunday and tuesday slots ut is at least plus if not very good in those um you know they need a little bit of perfecting but right now the way they've been playing in the midweek games and on the sunday games in recent form looking very very good in the bullpen on any given night, Aaron Nixon, Tanner Witt or Palmer Wenzel can can be the guy and shut someone down um but i really want to shine out even though he had his one bad outing uh, in that first game against Kansas State, but on the whole, in the season, has been unreal. Cole Quintanilla uh, is .75 whip, which again, if he qualified per innings, would be even better than Madden uh, to lead the Big Twelve and 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 one of the best in the country. Sixteen strikeouts to nine hits in his 12 appearances this year, and again, that's even including what I said was a bad outing against Kansas State. He's been unreal. The arms, Gerald, uh, give him a one to ten score. Uh, I'll, I mean, especially now that they've got two consistent, like a Friday, Saturday guy, like I, I really want to say it's probably, I mean, even the Sunday pitching has been, it's really been the bats that let them down on Sunday. So like, I want to say we'll, we'll give them a solid, a solid eight, eight out of 10. feels right. I like it. I'm, I think I like it. Like, yeah. Good, yeah. good, but there's room for improvement. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. I'm going to give them an eight, 8.5. Um, and I think, you know, a sunshine pump and fan could easily round that up to nine. So let's talk about the bats, Gerald, because if you would have asked me a week ago, um, I would have given a slightly lower view of this and still said that the bones are there. They just need to put the meat on it. Um, but talk about putting the meat on it. Um, <laughs> uh, you saw high strikeout numbers this year and you kind of said, well, Pierce is still bunting and is it a small ball or is he, you know, got these guys swinging for the fence and, and you kind of saw, a little bit of the coming together. Obviously, the the thirty some odd runs uh, scored this weekend on on the vision for what this team can be. Um, you're you're starting to see the fruits of that 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 swing swing hard and swing often um, kind of mentality. And and obviously, being in the midst of an historic streak from Ivan Melendez uh, helps that. Again, uh, he's he's the NC up double A record of home runs in consecutive games is eight. He's sitting at six. Uh, he has Nevada coming up in his next two. Um, I would love to just see him tee off. Uh, but, you know, uh, he, he's also just crushing it. He has an OPS of 2.068, which is, if you're not familiar, just just that's not a real number. Um, he's also hitting doubles, driving in runs. He's, he's, he's on base and slugging, of course, with those home runs. It's crazy. He's doing it all. And if we weren't talking about him, we were talking about Cam Williams, who's just destroying the ball. Um, and, and another guy, Antico, I think, even though he raises his batting percentage 40 points this week, I, I, I think um, you really like you have to look at what else he's doing besides just base hits. He uh, he he's leading the Big 12 in, in steals, and he has an incredibly high walk rate. So even when he wasn't hitting well before he raised his batting average 40 points, when he's getting on base, he's stealing bases. He's running, you know, getting getting runs scored. He's he's really adding a lot. So if he can get that power hitting and uh, which he seems to be, I think he's third or fourth on the team in home runs right now. Um, and that that base hitting number, that hitting for average up just a little bit, he can really truly be one of the dynamic special players in the second half of the season. I think for the Horns and then Daly and Hodo, 
just guys who I'm excited to to see. Didn't expect as much from them as they've been doing, and and all in all, um, the trend is nice. Let's see how this plays out. These were probably their two best hitting series back to back. So let's see how this plays out uh, over the next. They have a brutal stretch coming up in Big Twelve, which will which will truly tell uh, the test and, and soul of this team. I think they need to name the area right behind the right field wall, the North Atlantic Ocean, because that's where the Titanic keeps seeking them. Like, <laughs> I think that's the biggest takeaway from, from the bats is that, uh, by the way, I'm a history nerd, right? North Atlantic Ocean is where the Titanic sunk. Um, but, like, this just feels like a team that's setting itself up to make a, a, a tournament run. And I don't want to get, like, ahead of our skis, right? Like, I don't want to be way out ahead of it. But with the, the bats catching up, that was the big concern early in the season, right, was the bats – are not matching the pitching. The pitching's been there and has gotten better. And so with the bats catching up, especially, I'll be honest with you, like in group text, you and I were both kind of kind of critical of, of Antico early in the early in mm-hmm. the season because he didn't really seem like he was living up to the billing. And then as of late, it feels like he'd actually read our texts calling <laughs> for more from him, and he's decided to, to step it up. And so I'm really impressed with the way the bats are catching up with the performance. And if they can continue this, I mean – you know, two good pitching performances and a good performance from the plate is enough to win a win a regional and a super regional if you really get uh, get excited about it. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they can continue this momentum because it seems like Coach Pierce is striking all the right notes right now on on both sides uh, of the diamond. But Texas has a uh, doubleheader, not a doubleheader, but but two games midweek against Nevada against their rather than the normal like one midweek game, uh, and then they have a weekend series against. Um, Somebody who we hate, Kyle. Let's just go and say it. We'll put them on the on the purple people haters bandwagon. The Abilene Christian Wildcat Jerks over <laughs> the weekend. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how uh, when when our batters are in the box, they just run over and start whacking them uh, as they try to swing uh, and see if the umpire just chooses not to call it. I'm kidding. I'm not salty um, uh, uh, about officiating against the Abilene Christian Wildcats in the basketball March Madness tournament. Um, but no, I, I, I am I am excited for for this uh, this week and weekend. And then again, I, I alluded to it earlier, but the, the horizon will literally define this season. They sit at number three right now. You finish out the next three weekends with series wins. You you're looking at two. Uh, we'll see what Vandy wobbled a little bit. What Arkansas does one. I mean, you win the next three series against top ten level teams in Oklahoma State, then Tech, and then TCU, and uh, I think the first one of those is in two weeks. Um, then uh, you know you're flirting with with uh, like a like. Uh, number one or number two in the in the in the country they're, they're that good and certainly again historically that would mean you host a regional you're, you're you're a lock but we'll see exactly how those play out yeah the ncaa hasn't really determined the the regional sites i think you're going to do locked in regionals but again austin's got a a lot to sell when you're thinking about like playing a regional and playing a super regional so uh it could be a lot but yeah norm any other year this is a team that's like a shoe in for like basically not leaving austin until omaha is what it feels like so we'll find that out over the next couple of weeks again we've got abilene christian over the weekend oklahoma state tech and tcu on the horizon because we can't go too long without talking about football, we got our first spring scrimmage over the weekend and our first live fire action under the new coaches. So they ran a hundred play live fire scrimmage with the uh, with the team full pads, ones on ones, good on good, going after it. the The most important thing for me, which feels like we have gone a long time without saying this, is they escaped without an injury, which feels really great. And so according to, to Coach Sarkeesian, after the scrimmage, he spoke to the media, and basically what he was looking for in that first scrimmage is, are they tackling? Are they getting people to the ground? Are they making a lot of mental mistakes? And who, who really has the mental toughness to push? 100 plays is a lot of football, Kyle. That is a lot, a lot, a lot of football, especially if you're going good on good for, that's basically a full football game for both sides. And really, like, it could be two, like, a football game and a half, because you run, you know, 60, 70 plays in a game. Uh, uh, so it is honestly more football than a full game, but that's neither here nor there. So he said basically 90% of the practices they're doing are the ones V ones, but they've got two more scrimmages scheduled. So Kyle, based on what he said, like what jumps out to you the most about the, the moves or about, but what they're, what they're seeing from the team early on. Let me say this. I'm sure 
thousands of, of us um, spent time with Zabgruder film type uh, inspection of the one minute video released from this, the hype video uh, they put out on social media uh, of this um, game, looking at the, the quarterback's throws, you know, who was featured in, in the most highlights. Um, and, and, and honestly, what I saw was, again, fantastic news that no one was hurt, but it was not for a lack of hitting. The defense looked like they were hitting. I mean, just crunching tackles. There was a, a particular uh, body slam uh, tackle and across the middle, just just truck stick. Um, it, it looked good. It looked like uh, Bijan obviously looked incredible, untouchable, um, which was which was fantastic to see. Um, but it looked like they they just. Um, they look to be playing fast and, and they talked about attacking style defense. And, and again, one minute clip, whatever it is. Um, but, but they look good. Uh, th- there was some talk about, uh, I think the tackles were out. And so the defensive ends got a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. And so quarterback will be a position that every fan, no matter if he is the most novice off the street or a guy with 13 paid subscriptions will be watching just with a fine tooth comb, every single thing that both of the two presumptive starters um uh will will be doing in in every scrimmage and every practice and every social media clip and every uh sourced report um basically w- what those quarterbacks are doing um the, the the one biggie is uh hopefully not taking sacks right and that 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 goes as much on the quarterback as the offensive line many times so again that that will be something that i'm watching something that we as a, as a group will be watching uh, all spring, but definitely into the season as well. That will be just a key sticking point to an offense that's all gas and no brakes. A sack is undoubtedly hitting the brakes. A sack definitely smells like brake fluid, but like that to me is, I mean, the quarterback battle is is going to be a thing, right? They're not. They're probably not going to name a starter. We pro- we may not know the starter until like a week into the season, like mm. week one of the season. We'll get that maybe. Maybe, maybe, but I think the the thing for me that jumped out is is a lot of the conversation about, and Texas fans are probably going to be real mad about this, about how, you know, in the past, Sark has really ridden one back, and he said, honestly, a lot of that was out of necessity, and so the fact that he's got two guys that can tote the rock, and he specifically called out Roshan for kind of being a, and again, we said this way too often under Tom Herman, but like a culture guy, and a guy who's there to, uh, who's learned the playbook quicker than a lot of other guys, and can do a lot of things for them on offense it seems like they're going to play both running backs which is fine with me especially when you think about how exactly how much Sam Ellinger was used in the past like don't do that to either of these quarterbacks I don't think (laughs) they will survive the beating that Sam Ellinger honestly probably didn't survive all that well based upon how his body has changed and uh, he's rehabbed over the last several months Uh, but like Sam Ellinger had what 31 of the 70 rushing touchdowns over his career like his first his last three seasons as a full-time starter 31 of the 70 rushing touchdowns absolutely nuts like was top three in the conference in rushing usage by a quarterback over the last three year so like if you've got the ability and you've got two guys because like Bijan is great don't hear me saying anything that Bijan's not great but Roshan has earned it and has played really well in a lot of spots and a lot of the times the problem with Tom Herman was not wasn't the fact that he was giving the ball to Bijan instead of Roshan or Roshan instead of Bijan but it's the fact that he picked the wrong one and forced the rotation Right, So if one guy has the hot hand, continue to feed him, regardless of the first syllable. It ends in an N regardless, but the first syllable of his name, uh, Bijan or Roshan, feed the hot hand regardless of who it is. Bijan's going to get 19 carries the first game or 17 carries for 168 yards, and people are going to say, that's ridiculous. He should have got 25. You know, I I am perfectly fine with him getting his hundred plus two touchdowns on a few carries, and then letting you know letting Roshan get 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 some touches, letting the 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 offense spread it around. He talked a lot about Whittington as well, who I I, I mean every Texas fan is just fingers crossed excited for. I mean, like a guy who because of injury issues, we have just been so excited to just see consistently be able to perform and know he can do it. There's no doubt he's proven he has that talent, but to be able to stay healthy and hopefully do it this year, everyone is excited. Um, but, uh, you know, it, yeah, I am perfectly fine if Bijan finishes with 220 carries, uh, 198 carries even uh, for for 1,500 yards, right? Like, that's, that's a great season for me. Let him catch another 
600 out of the backfield in the passing game, right? And then um, these averages, you know, they, they may be high, but remember who we're talking about. But I'm all for, for keeping some tread on the tires, you know, let him win a Doak Walker this year, Heisman next year, first round draft the year after. It, it, it's an easy tra- easy timeline. I mean, it makes sense to me, right? The other thing that that stood out from from Sark is some of the talk of the defense. He, he's talked specifically about, you know, Keandre Coburn being one of the leaders and bringing a lot of energy to the team. Um, he mentioned um, big little Al and big Vern and, and Jacoby and Ray on the defensive line. But I think the kind of the, the more uh, seismic news is something that a lot of people have been calling for a very long time, including two very handsome co-hosts of a specific podcast <laughs> that five, former five-star safety uh, Tyler Owens tweeted about it and seemed to allude that he's moving from safety to linebacker following agent zero, the arm bandit himself to Marvin Overshone a year, a year ago made the move and turned out to be a great move for him. Ended up the season as one of the better linebackers in the conference and a key piece to the defense. And now Tyler Owens is doing the same. And so uh, Sarkeesian said about that specifically, uh, you always try to find big athletic, fast people and get as many of them on the field that can play sound football. And so he gives you an opportunity to do that. Tyler is a big physical athlete and giving him the opportunity closer to the ball is something we've looked at and will continue to look at. So confirming without confirming that uh, TL will be moving down from safety to linebacker, which seems like a net positive for the defense, because if you can get a guy who's that big and that fast, have him cheeseburger up 20 pounds and stay as an athletic playmaker and, and make play sideline to sideline in a conference that rewards playmaking linebackers. We talked a lot about when Overshown moved and, and look, it doesn't necessarily mean that this will immediately be the perfect success that, that we think it can be in our, in, in, in the best world. But we, we, we talked a lot about it. Like he's just an incredible athlete and he was a great safety and especially in prep level was just unreal safety and just kind of brought that down a level. It took him a little bit to understand it, but especially in the big 12, his skill set just fit perfectly. And again, remember we talked a lot about how good of an athlete agent zero is. Tyler Owens is a significantly better athlete, and that is no knock on Marvian Overshine. He may be the best athlete on the team. The kid was the biggest 100-meter runner in the country and still, like, the second fastest in the country. Again, the second fastest in, in state, uh, Texas, I should say, high school at least, at the state meet was behind the kid who was the fastest runner in the country and was the only person within stepping distance of him, again, at the state 100 in high school, a guy running low 10s in the 100 is fast and he was huge we looked at his thighs looked at his shoulders you look just at his natural size he was three thrice the size of every other 100 meter sprinter he just always felt like a freak athlete and again that's like wow what a devastating safety he could be but wow if you can get that quick twitch acceleration with that speed running sideline to sideline and sometimes just straight off the edge downhill that's scary man and 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 like you said if they beef him up a little and he's able to keep uh even 90 percent 95 percent of that speed you're talking about a guy who has nfl gm salivating because there's not a whole lot of players with that type of of physical tool set that ever play the game of football right who could play line at the size of linebacker and run with any running back receiver in the country like and i and i don't mean that to be facetious he's that fast he's he's very very fast now again there is a skill set issue that it changes. You have to learn the position. And, and, and I, I definitely, you know, I don't want to stoke the fire too much of expectations, but it is from, from is spring where everything's perfect and we're all undefeated and, and every, you know, coaching decision is a win. Uh, then I'm going to sit here and praise this because we, we talked about it. We, we thought it would be great. And I, I am, I am very excited that the two of them can be together. And I don't think it should be lost that literally the guy he will be learning the position of linebacker from will be coaching him. And again, obviously the, the coaches, but a, a player to his right or left who will be who will be coaching him will be doing it from a, hey, I know you're thinking about this with your footwork on the first steps from safety, but at linebacker, you have to do this, right? So it's even, it's just, it's so much more pressing that you have a, not Juwan Mitchell or, or any other linebacker who's telling from a linebacker's perspective, but telling from a guy who switched from D-back to linebacker's perspective, coaching him up. So I really, really, I love the possibilities of what it can be. So you mentioned him being second in the hundred to, you didn't just talk about like who he was second to. If you don't remember, he was second to, to Matthew Bowling of Strake Jesuit, who in 2019 was the fastest person under, he took four gold medals at the Pan Am Junior Games in 2019. It's like he was second to the guy who was running like, 
10 second hundreds in high school. So like no, no slouch, but we, what we saw in, in you talked about the skill sets and I don't think in the big 12, the skill set is that far from a safety position down to a linebacker, especially with the coverage responsibilities with the way tight ends play in the big 12, with the way running backs factor into the, the passing game in the big 12, you kind of just need to be a bigger striker. And what we saw is D overshown a year ago. Um, he didn't have a spring to practice moving from linebacker or from safety to linebacker. He didn't really even have a good fall because they had to install the system. So he didn't get a ton of that work. So you see a guy like Tyler Owens, who is another five-star athlete making that position who will get a full spring to just figure out how do I do this thing? So he'll get that. And what we saw from D Overshone is, you know, the first three games were a little rough when we talked about it, but by game four and in beyond, like if, if the trajectory is anywhere similar to what DeMar and overshone, we've got a potentially pair of the two best, most athletic linebackers in the conference, and it's not a close margin at all. You have to face Lincoln Riley once, if not twice, every year in, in a good OU offense with elite receivers, and, and I don't like to give him a ton of praise, but you have to. You have to give one of the best offensive minds and, and talent groups he's brought there credit. So so Sarkeesian isn't thinking about, you know, Ah, this this will look good. He's thinking about okay. I want the best defense out there to win this conference, and then you know compete with my old school with Alabama and those you know freak receivers they have too. So I I, I like it. They are thinking big picture with this and solving a need, right? Solving a position of need. So I, I checks all the boxes for me again. Just just trying to trying to talk myself off of and keep my expectations in check because my self talk also inflates them wildly. Um, maybe deservedly so, but I'm trying to trying to balance it. <laughs> You know how Alabama wins? They put a five-star at every position. Mm. You know what this does? Puts another five-star on the field, and that's how you win championships is put more talented guys on the field. We've got two more of these scrimmages, including a spring game. In a couple of weeks, we'll have a uh, breakdown of those and, and all of the spring comings and goings as we progress. It was a big weekend on campus, so we have to whip around campus and honor all the other sports and down the 40 Texas went 13 and oh a perfect weekend for the Longhorns this weekend we'll start with some basketball news though um, the coaching staff seems to be cinching up uh, the hire of, of Jarens Howard from from Kansas and Rodney Terry from UTEP convinced another head coach to join him on the the coaching staff the coaching staff very very um recruiter heavy which I'm, I'm excited there's been a ton of basketball talent in the state of texas and so seeing them prioritize recruiting especially in state is going to be hopefully a big win for the basketball team that's absolutely right damian collins kind of was a was a ut lean and then went to uh uk following coach lucas which again he, he makes sense um so what do you do when you replace him, you try to go get Kansas's best recruiter. You get two head coaches at, at Texas schools who've been ace recruiters in in their their past, um, and and build a staff of mega um, Texas heavy. And again, uh, Jaron Howard coming from Illinois, um, he, he's he's recruited lights out at Kansas and also uh, probably um, you know one of the better recruiters in the Big Ten when he was at Illinois early in his career um, there so I mean as a guy who's I think from Illinois as well um, so it has as Midwest and 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 Chicago and and kind of those ties as well so kind of like Shaka that he can give a little bit of a national perspective and 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 scope as well but they're really really getting guys who can lock the state of Texas down which is great like go ahead and do that so, speaking of locking the state of Texas down, four-star, uh, small forward, he's like, he play, he's, I think he might be listed as a guard, isn't he? Like a 6'6 guard, I thought he was listed as? He's a 2'3 uh, kind of hybrid, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's that, he's, basketball has changed, the numbers really mean, like, the positions mean very little in basketball nowadays, um, but, uh, anyway, Jalen Tyson, the number 35 player in the country, was originally committed to Texas Tech, asked out of his letter of intent, and will be committing to the University of Texas, um, he is... Pretty easily one of the best players in the state. You could argue top three, top five, but like getting him again with Texas needing a massive influx of talent. Uh, we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but like Texas needs a huge influx of talent. So getting this guy to flip with, with uh, Coach Beard is a big deal for the Longhorns. 
Yeah, the kids in this recruiting class probably need to have uh, being ready to play right away on on their uh, radar. And this is, again, you get one of the most formed uh, players in the state who's ready to come in and contribute, a guy who's just, like, exploded up the recruiting ranking boards every year in high school really was kind of um, is a freshman and sophomore, not, not the guy who was known since he was 10 or anything. Um, and, and just his junior year, uh, it just absolutely exploded um, around the country. And, and again, has just been moving up and up and up and up and probably on the cusp of a five-star, but a guy who looks ready to play. And that's important and important that whatever transfers, whatever players, whatever, whoever comes in, like <laughs> you might play a lot of minutes uh, depending on, who, how much we can fill this class out because there's gonna gonna be a lot of spots. We we'll have to make Mike jealous again and bring Nick back on in a few weeks to talk about basketball recruiting because Texas now has officially lost Donovan Williams and Royce Ham who are headed to UNLV and a guy that Kyle this hurts you and I in a deep deep way. Uh, Coach Hepa is in the portal officially now as well, which really hurts me in, in a personal and significant way. Yeah, absolutely, I would have loved to see. Uh, Coach Hapa, I'd love to see Kameka finish out his career from from Anchorage to Austin, uh, doing the reverse Texas four thousand. But uh, you know, I I get it. I hope wherever he ends up, he gets a chance to play. He's a smart, smart kid. He's gonna, I presume, I would guess, probably go to a good academic school because he's real. He's he's a sharp kid. Um, so you, you know, wherever he ends up, uh, he'll be an asset to that team. I don't know if he'll be at Marquette under Shaka. We'll see. Um, but I, I think he'll be be an asset wherever he goes because he's shown to be an incredible, incredibly smart player, incredible team uh, component, and and just a, a good dude. And uh, again, I, I wish him, of course, all these players, but him specifically, wish him a ton of success wherever he goes because he handled not really being a part of the rotation being bumped down with as much grace and aplomb as I've ever seen again from remember these are 19, 18 to 22 year olds as I've ever seen from a person that age just showed the maturity and class and grace um, to, to take it, keep his chest and uh, out and, and head held high and, and say, okay, that's the case. How do I contribute to my team? Okay. I'm going to bring enthusiasm. I'm going to, I'm going to hype people up. I'm going to be coaching. I'm going to be shouting instructions. I'm going to be the first to form the huddle. I just, a coach's dream. So uh, good luck to Kameka wherever he finishes out his career. Wherever he finishes out his career, we will always be fans of Coach Hepa. On the women's side, uh, women's basketball signed sophomore transfer Aaliyah Math- uh, Matharu. How are we going to go with that one? Uh, you know, I, I, I've i heard uh, a Mississippi State. We, we'll have to ask uh, Alex, but I've heard a, a Mississippi State beat writer uh, describe her i think the nickname they used was quote the bulldog um so that is most okay. likely how i will be saying but that was like the mississippi state bulldogs and she was the bulldog i don't know but uh i hope that nickname sticks uh if not we're gonna use it on this podcast but uh alia uh, matharu is, is how we're gonna go with it uh for, for, former five star again originally recruited by vic to, to mississippi state it's it's uh it, it fits and and there's a lot of guards coming in this year there's a lot uh, of guard play coming in, but she's going to, she's going to know Vic, uh, is good or better than any of them and, and, and have a chance to contribute right away. She's going to need to, uh, Texas has six newcomers to replace Charlie Collier. Who's on her way out. And Celeste Taylor, who announced this week that she was committing to Kara Lawson and the Duke blue devil. So she has officially made her move to the East coast, which makes sense because, well, she wanted to get closer to family, North Carolina, Duke, Kara Lawson. So it's something big over there. So, uh, Texas has an influx of talent. Uh, again, it's hard to replace those two, but Vic is trying his hardest. Number four volleyball, get ready for a tournament run. They are going to take on the winner of Samford and Wright State this weekend. Again, they've got an opportunity. They're a top four seed, so they got that first round by big deal. Logan Eggleston was named the Big 12 Player of the Year. Jenna Gabriel was named the Setter of the Year. Uh, Brianna Butler, Skylar Fields, and Asia O'Neill on the first team all-conference team. Second team, Molly Phillips and uh, Nalania Iasota. Uh, Eosia is what we're going with there uh, on the second team. Uh, Jared Elliott just keeps bringing home the hardware. His seventh Big 12 coach of the year for his efforts uh, with the volleyball team. Still think they got gypped with the, four se- with the number four overall seed in the tournament, but uh, it's going to be a tough, tough run for them. But uh, this is a tough team that's been tested all year and, and played as much volleyball or more than, than anyone in the country. Um, and so I think... I think they're set up. I think they're set up for a good run. I'll be watching closely. 
Absolutely. Women's tennis kept doing our favorite thing. Swept Kansas State 7-0. Improved to 20-1 on the year. Taking on number 29, Texas Tech in Lubbock this weekend. Number 6, men's tennis. Does the Oklahoma two-step beat number 21, OU 5-2 in Oklahoma State? Uh, it was number 18, a 4 to 3 in the three-day span, 17-4 on the season, nine ranked wins. They ted two, Waco to take on number three, Baylor, probably the toughest matchup of the season. Back to the diamond, number seven, softball, swept Iowa State. Beautiful work from the Longhorns to get Coach White his 100th win. Uh, well, I guess it would technically be 98, 99, and 100 in that run. 8-5, uh, to 11-5, and 10 nothing in six. Uh, they take on a... They took on UT Arlington prior to that with a 12-0 win to get our run rule counter up to a lucky number 13, Kyle. Big stuff. I love ladies. it. I love it. Yeah, keep keep uh, keep that, you know, the pitcher's innings numbers low by, by winning these uh, these games early. They're on a 14-game win streak, 31-3 and on the season. Undefeated this year, I realize, uh, against non-Louisiana opponents. LSU got them twice and uh, Louisiana itself once. But uh, tied for the second-best start in program history and a, a an update Janae Jefferson uh she had a good one her first ever two career uh home run game against uh like that 11-5 that middle game against Iowa State um but just crushing the ball getting closer only 15 hits shy now breaking Bridget Washington's school record and I have no doubt she'll get there um big one ahead too big one ahead OU probably the uh other real well the Big 12 is a Great softball conference, but OU is a team that will likely one of the other teams will make a really deep postseason run uh, for the regular season title, basically on the line this weekend. Number seven men's golf finished third at the Aggie Invitational. Uh, Pearson Cootie finished uh, solo in second at five under his fourth straight top uh, three finish individually. The next up is the Big Twelve Championships on April twenty sixth. Rowing. Did what rowing does, the number two rowing team in the country, by winning all four races against number seven Michigan. Feel always feels good to go to Michigan and come away with the win. Yeah, I mean the, this uh, Texas rowing is a thing, y'all. Um, it, they're proving it. No, num, open number two and just dominated uh, in their opener against Michigan, who was originally number three. They fell a little uh, in, in some polls to number seven, but uh, they opened up as strong as you could possibly hope. And part of that undefeated Texas week, top ten Texas all over the place. The number two, number seven track teams uh, took a week off before heading down to San Antonio for the Roadrunner Invitational and or the Michael Johnson Invitational in Waco, depending on your uh, your side of the track. Um, big deal. Big deal for uh, Kennedy Flanell, who got Big 12 Athlete of the Week for all sports. Um for her performance over the Aggies who continue to show like, Hey, we won these individual events and then Texas just blasts them in the team events because well, continue to Aggie you doofuses soccer's final match of the season against LSU was postponed on Friday uh, due to COVID issues. Not because Julia Grasso was not with the team. That's not why it happened, but uh, I wouldn't blame them if they did. Uh, number one, number three, swimming and diving swept all of the big 12 yearly awards. Uh, Drew Kibler, and Evie Pfeiffer got the swimmer of the year, newcomer of the year for Carson Foster and Olivia Bray. Diver Jordan Wendell, who got his fourth consecutive, he has a place probably on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, Paula Pineda on the women's side. Eddie Reese, obviously, his swan song. Carol Capitini uh, on the women's side. And then the diving coach, men and women, uh, Matt Scroggins, double dipping on the that, year. I like the the pun there, double dipping. Um, they, yes, that's right. They, they won every single award, of course. Um, you know, it's... It's good in the pool. I will be so curious who replaces the goat Eddie Reese in that uh, men's swimming spot to win the the Big 12 Coach of the Year next year, whoever's the head coach of Texas, presumably. All right, Gerald, let's take it to the Bernard's lens. Let's look at some, uh, some Longhorns who left the campus but never leave the family. Uh, start with Jordan Spieth, the Masters, obviously, this past weekend. We talked golf a bit earlier. Uh, Jordan Spieth finished third at this year's Masters with seven under. Three strokes off the winner, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Um, he was in the hunt the whole time. Um, had a couple kind of singular holes he can look back on. And, ah, if you didn't triple bogey this one or didn't go so aggressive on this one. But uh, an incredible finish. I mean, you don't get mad about a top three finish at the hardest golf course probably in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, coming off the heels of winning, he was a favorite to win it all. But really, really, really excited for uh, Matsuyama to, to win it. That was an awesome thing to see. Um, 
Scotty Scheffler, though, also finished in the top 20. Two long ones in the top 20 is a good sign when you're talking about the Masters. You love to see the state of Longhorns in the professional golf ranks. You know, Spieth has a lot of opportunities to, to get some more uh, hardware. He's playing really, really good golf right now, so I'm excited to see how this year turns out for him. Absolutely, and uh, uh, a, a player who will be joining the professional ranks, we presume, uh, this week. The WNBA draft will be Thursday the 15th at 6 p.m. That'll be on ESPN, uh, and everything I'm reading still is showing Charlie Collier as the likely number one pick, so excited. That's never happened uh, in the t- 25 years, I believe, they've had the WNBA draft uh, for UT's uh, program. I think they've had a two or a three, but never a number one. Many first-rounders, but never a number one. So we're excited, fingers crossed, hoping uh, for, for Miss Collier. It, it's like written in the stars that she's going to stay in the state, right? There's no two ways around that. Like, they have to. I hope you're right, Gerald. A, a, she wore number 35 and another number 35, though now he wears number seven uh, with his newest team. Uh, Kevin Durant returned after missing two months uh, injured um, and got to join uh, almost hypothetical, a lot of college dorm room hypothetical conversations. What if Kevin Durant and LaMarcus Aldridge played together at UT? What could that team have looked like? Um, but, uh, you know, the, they, they are now playing together at the professional ranks. Uh, they, they ran a, a Kevin Durant as the ball hander, LaMarcus Aldridge as the pick and roll man, beautiful little assist and, and, and finish to the basket that, uh, again, sent, sent, Austin basketball Twitter from the early aughts uh, into a uh, titter, I imagine. Um, but uh, yeah, tw- a, a, a Twitter a titter. I don't know. I sound right to me. Um, but he's still working back. He's only averaging about twenty minutes a game. But that did not stop Kevin Durant from unveiling the new KD fourteens. It's ridiculous that he's been in the league long enough to be on iteration number fourteen of his his kicks. But these are actually uh, quite nice. I like them. Uh, I was once going to be like a, a KD guy, much like people are Jordan guys. And then I realized the sneakers are really expensive and I have kids. Yeah. 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 I've, I've never owned any of the KDs one through, through 13. Um, again, uh, Kevin, we know you listen to this. If you want to go ahead and, and send, uh, two of your biggest, uh, fans and, uh, sponsor a segment, we'll call it the Kevin Durant, or burn orange lenses, whatever you want. You know, that's worth two pairs. We are, we are, uh, purely open to that kind of grift. So, um, send us, send us some of them, uh, some of them beauties. Uh, but looking at the NBA, Joe, there's a couple, there's the injury bug has hit the horns. Durant was not the only one out. They've had many players out. A couple of players coming back, um, and, and we've seen some players' form start to peak just right. And the one that's got me the most excited is Mo Bamba. Finally starting to play. He's had some injuries, but also starting to get some minutes. And he's starting to score. He's had, he, up to this point in the first three months of the season, had three double-digit scoring nights. He's now had eight in his last nine. And uh, the one he didn't get, he only played 11 minutes, so not as much on him. But uh, he set a career high of 19, and then three nights later just went ahead and bested it, posting a career high of 21 points. So he's he's on a really, really good trajectory. But the thing that has shocked me, didn't see it coming, is that he's done it as a stretch five. Um, in the month of April, Mo Bamba is currently shooting 61%, 14 for 23 from deep. Uh, and, and on his his last career high game, he went five for six from deep. Um, it, it's almost 40% of his attempts for the entire season. So there's clearly something that's changed in the coach's outlook of how they want to use him. And it's a small sample size, but it looks like uh, Mo Bamba stretch five that we, none of us saw coming uh, could just be the thing that propels him to, to a starting spot and to, to some real uh, minutes to contribute here. It's really weird seeing the guy who was known for like blocking balls into the seventh row as this like knockdown three three point shoot, it's really like basketball is just such a weird sport from where it was like ten years ago. Yeah, it's almost a completely. It's been revolutionized, no 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 doubt. It's it's crazy. He's he's uh, he's getting more minutes because of it. Another guy who came back was uh, Tristan Thompson. He'd been on I think uh, about a month injury. They have not lost since he came back. More Longhorns, more wins. Uh, Jackson Hayes. We're talking about threes. Jackson Hayes has hit four of them in his career. Three. In the past week, which is <laughs> weird, um, and one of which was a half-court buzzer beater to cover for the Pelicans' first half over. I think they were on 59 points, and the over was like 60 and a half, and uh, they threw him the ball, and he just launched a three-quarters court heave and, and, and banked it in again for his fourth career three-pointer. But Jackson Hayes, I am convinced that they're 
at least in the current NBA, and I hit me up in, in replies to Texas, tweet at us, let us know, send us an email, what your thoughts are. He may be, and I'm sorry to Dominique Wilkins, he may be the most highlights per minute player in the history of the NBA. He had a nasty alley-oop that he was thrown behind him, and he kind of had to put his hand all the way back, which for him is about seven feet, behind his body and catch it and then do the you know the dunk throw uh, alley-oop. It was gorgeous. He just It seems like every week I have a Google alert is set for Jackson Hayes' uh, Twitter highlights. He's just he's, he's playing fun basketball, and if he can start uh, getting that into more minutes and, and, and continue to play good defense, then he can, he can, uh, he can be a contributor. These, these Texas bigs coming into their own. He's flashing off some handles too, which has been uh, surprising. He's he's again doing things that we saw flashes of at Texas, but maybe didn't get to uh, see all of at Texas. Absolutely, that coast to coast, I loved it. All right, Daryl. So let's let's put a cap at the basketball talk for a little bit. Let's let's go to the the screens. What are we watching on our big giant Godzillatron South End Zone coming along real nice from what I've seen the renderings. Uh, but but we're talking about our home screen show. What are you watching? On your they post, screen, they posted a picture of that south end zone. It looks, whew, it looks real, real nice. So uh, I have to admit, uh, one of my own personal shames is I had not seen uh, Ma Rainey's up until this past mm. weekend. Um, it's just one of those that missed it. My wife and I had never really been able to. We both wanted to watch it. We, we just haven't had an opportunity to sit down and watch it because uh, you know you just like at the end of the day with two kids, you're just like I'm gonna watch something that I don't have to like pay close attention to well um remedy that and by god that's a good movie um it is probably not what you're expecting um it is not one to watch it's not a musical to watch with the kids that's for sure um but the thing that really i mean viola davis absolutely phenomenal but the thing that like absolutely i could not stop thinking about is like chadwick boseman was dying of cancer while he filmed that movie and the amount of energy he brings to that performance is absolutely ridiculous. Like I am not at my best. If like I sleep weird for the night before, and this man was battling stage four cancer and turned in an all time performance. And he's, he's raking in the awards as he should. Um, so that like, that was a hole in my cinema. Uh, my 20, my, we do this like award season watch. And that was a hole that we finally plugged for our award season watch. I, I love that. I and I think my wife watched it right after it came out, um, like pretty immediately, and I didn't catch it with her, and I've never gone back. But uh, uh, that's 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 a good one. It's probably somewhere on my Netflix uh, queue. Um, I was powering through. Uh, well, let me say this: the first thing that I watched this week was UT baseball playing Animal Control, um, and <laughs> and trying to catch a possum. And Gerald, like you and I, are not country boys um you know we're, we're not quite city boys we're, we're hybrid you know maybe we we're suburb boys but uh we worked uh at a certain establishment which had busy and down seasons and during the down seasons you, you became quite outdoorsy you, you, you cut down trees with chainsaws and clip cedar and and uh uh sometimes we're forced to perform tackling drills for your boss but um <laughs> you spent spent time outdoors and, and and did certain things and you know killed rattlesnakes and all uh, the like. You were in the Texas Hill Country at Natural Bridge Caverns, and um, it, I don't know if I necessarily came across a possum, but I feel like I've been seen enough possums in my life. Uh, they get a really bad rap. They're not nearly as bad or dangerous or awful as as they seem. But Gerald, give this one a one to ten. The UT baseball players possum wrangling. How do you score it? So as someone who did come across many a possum in the dumpsters and trash cans at Natural Ridge Caverns, Texas' largest and most spectacular underground attraction, uh, I, like, that little white bucket, I'm going to even call it a trash can, that little white bucket, I put this out there on Twitter, that's a recipe to get you behind bit. Like, that's going to, like, you're going to be, we're talking about COVID delays. Look at a rabies delay if you really <laughs> tried to wrangle that, that possum in that little white bucket. All right, fair. I One like that. Best. Yeah. They, all right. All right. All right. I'll give them. I'll give them. A, I'll give them a two. I'll give them credit. It's. It's. You know, a bunch. A bunch of city. But you think the baseball players would know? Anyways, it's fine. Um, I also watched Billions. Finally finished third season. Um, good. Still very good. It's. It's crazy. Like you suspend belief for this show. Um, but if you do that and just enjoy the performances of some good actors, um, it's. It's. It's good. I'm liking it. Uh, liking it so far as we get ready to start. I guess about the halfway point, second half of the season. Um, also. 
our good friend Ray recommended a, a podcast um, that I listened to the first episode and I'm very excited to get into uh, further called uh, Death at the Wing. Um, Adam McKay is creating it, basically a docu-podcast. Is that a, is that a term? Uh, 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 just a podcast i feel like is fair that's true i guess that's true um but but it, it's going to look at kind of tying a thread together which i'm curious how they get there but of, of um the kind of hoops deaths len bias and all the way through um intertwined with the some of the 1980s reagan era politics and some of the things that were going on how the nba was rising up at that time how you saw a, a radical kind of shift um in, in the type of basketball that was played as the aba fully became uh, a part of that organization and and just the different things that were going on and and, and it just kind of strikes for me the again i'm one episode in but the idea has me salivating of what's to come um of of the balance between sport um i always for as much as I enjoy a box score, the sociology of sport is far more interesting to me, the human side at all times, um, and then kind of the greater politics of a, of a, of a foregone era that, that still have implications in today. Um, I find it really, really interesting so far, and I can't wait to listen to more of it. In my feed at this point, I uh, didn't get much podcasting done, this podcast listening done this weekend, so I uh, will absolutely have to check it out. But that brings us to... The part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. Kyle, what are you quickly banging the drum on this uh, week? I am quickly banging the drum on um, how lucky Kansas State is that they don't compete in men's tennis or rowing. Again, rowing sitting at number two, tennis sitting at number seven. Um, because that's the only way they're avoiding getting their butt kicked in anything this year. We talked about a baseball sweep. We talked uh, about a, a women's tennis sweep, uh, 7-0 uh, of them. Um, all told, the state of Kansas didn't do great. 11-0 and UT went against uh, the Kansas teams in, in baseball, basketball, and football. And again, that's not even getting to play Kansas football. Would have been 12-0, almost certain about that. Um, but but I don't want to bring the Jayhawks down in this one. I really, really want to focus on the fact that Texas – in Herman Swan song scored 69 nice ones on, on Kansas state to, uh, to, to just launch the Bijan for Heisman 2022 slash 23 campaign in earnest, um, baseball, getting the sweep, um, men's basketball. That's right. They pull some crazy stunts in that one, but, uh, not this year, women's basketball doing what they need to do. Soccer, volleyball, as I said, women's tennis full sweep. Purple people eating demons of yore. You hold no power here. Be gone, wildcat devils. Your spell and curse is broken. And I couldn't be happier. The power of Sark compels you. So I'm banging the drum this week on... um, the group picture from practice over the weekend. So uh, if you didn't see Michael Huff, who's like a special assistant or something, he just hangs out sleeveless on the sideline coaching DBs because he likes to do it. He's, he's rich. He can do what he wants to. So like he just hangs out at football practice and kind of coaches. Um, but there were a lot of players, uh, former Texas players, back on the sidelines. It took a really cool picture. But um, one, I love the the culture of getting all of these guys who have like championship pedigrees at Texas back. Guys that played with Vince Young and Colt McCoy back on campus. Derek Johnson, Aaron Williams, like those types of guys um, back on campus. But um, the one that stood out like a sore thr- thumb um, in the back of all of these former players, and this is my favorite part about it, was The Undertaker was also at practice <laughs> this weekend at the scrimmage. And... I don't know why I get such ridiculous pleasure out of the fact that both The Undertaker and Mark Henry are Texas fans, but I absolutely love it, and it makes me giggle every time. I try to find any random way I can use uh, the Mark Henry double hook'em picture where he's rocking the world's largest University of Texas t-shirt, flashing the double hook'em. Again, The Undertaker, and it, like it's just... It speaks to my, like, 90s wrestling kid soul, and I guess it's because, like, WrestleMania was this last weekend. It's top of mind, but, like, it just absolutely is fun to me, like, all the random celebrities that this university has collected for fans, and I love it. Yeah, I I, I love having players there. I hope they let all players, you know, whatever level of success you had after in, in it, uh, to, to be a part of the team and be a part of the atmosphere. I think it helps. It's a family. It's, it's, um, 
helps with recruiting to say, look, you're always a part of this. It, it, it is great to, to tout out the many, many NFL players, but um, helps to just have everybody there. But one thing I just want to point out is USC has become um, the, the, you know, you, you dropped out of school, but you still, you know, you still want to finish at a community college, that type of um, kind of finishing school for, for, for those who couldn't quite hack it at the UT football program. And I joke, I jest, of course, uh, coach Nivar's there and he's an incredible man and coach uh, Orlando, uh, Keontra Ingram. Um, m- many have made their way uh, out there, Carrington, but um, they are also inviting many in, to their family. And in fact, according to inside USC, Scott Wolf, a homeless man this week infiltrated the Trojans practice (laughs) (laughs) eating at at the McKay center's dining hall, sleeping in a suite, sharing a jacuzzi with players. And only when he was fielding Fielding punts punts. during practice, did they notice, wait, this is not one of our players. Um, (laughs) It's my favorite story of the week. It has a Longhorn tie, so I get to talk about it here. Uh, and Gerald teed me up perfectly, and I'm glad we get to end the podcast on that because that just makes me happy. It was it wasn't the team meals. It wasn't the freaking jacuzzi. It was how did he get to special teams? Like like how did he get to that point? Like how do you get to special teams practice? And that's when they're like, "You're a homeless guy." Like how do they? And again, home like. I don't. I just. I. I don't know. I hope they get that guy some help because there's like homelessness sucks and like hopefully they get that guy some help. But like, how? Just how? I don't. I don't. Kyle, I don't get it. But with that, where can if you want more of Kyle's unique brand of ridiculousness, where can you find him? Where can they find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at gh gooder. Follow the show on Twitter at. Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. You can catch me on Wednesday with two woke nerds. We'll talk about the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm going to say some stuff on that one, so be prepared. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to say some stuff. That's all I'll say. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Be gone, demon wildcats. Hook them.